Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Friday mid-afternoon, Charlotte is the replacements here, Fiddy, Flounder, and Smoke. And believe it or not, guys, it is the final football Friday of 2023. Don't know how we got here um, as quickly as we did with a 2-13 and 13 NFL team, but as they always say, no season goes by quicker than the NFL season. And that's certainly true once again as this year has come and gone. Um, And we'll get into the Panthers, Jaguars, preview the playoff games that will come your way Monday on New Year's Day. Talk a little college basketball as well. But, uh, guys, good Friday morning. Smoke, how are you? I'm doing quite well, Fiddy and Flounder and Shrapa-doo-doo-doo over there. I told him not to come back, but he he showed back up. That's fine. I have no problem with Shrapa. I feel like we've all been told that at some point, and yet here we are, still here hanging on for now. I haven't taken my key card yet. Yeah, that's that's true. Although there are there are people that have key cards to this building that uh, you wouldn't believe that haven't worked here for years. So we might still be uh, <clears throat> MFG. Yeah. Yes, folks. We actually had MFG employed here. We did not actually. WBT had him employed at one time, but for he one wandered. Weekend. He wandered off. He wanted to say hi to the television folks uh, in the middle of a break he was supposed to be running, and so here we are. But uh, no, I'm pumped, man. Uh, I uh, I said it on air this morning. I I really think the Panthers have a chance to win this game. I know it's a road game, but I think either way, man, the quarterback situation that Jacksonville has going on right now, whether it's a completely beat up Trevor Lawrence or C.J. Beathard, who, as Grace pointed out this morning, I didn't even realize it was actually this bad. Two and ten. In his career as a starter, I don't know, man. I'm feeling frisky. I'm feeling frisky on the Cats. Yeah, no, I think they got their best chance to pick up a road win as much as any game so far this year, which is a good thing because this is their final um, road game of the season. And we're going to dive into that. Also look at how maybe Carolina can follow Jacksonville's rebuild. You look at the rookie season for Trevor Lawrence, the rookie season for Bryce Young, a lot of similarities there. Um, and we're going to dive into that. But I thought with it being the final football Friday of the year, um, and you can guys get involved with us as well here on the Carolina's uh, Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Wanted us to take a look back at our favorite football moments from 2023. They can be in the NFL ranks, the college ranks. Smoke, I know you still live and die with high school football, um, which is a problem in and of itself as a grown man. Uh, his dad is a coach at the high school football level, but okay. I don't live and die. Like I go to some, the game. Uh, no, nah, I remember you going on a high school football rant in the middle of the year. And uh, as a, what, 26 year old man, probably shouldn't be doing that. But you know, I mean, you got dudes that literally cover that for a living. So, but I mean, I, that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's their job. 
Don't you? Okay, but still, there's passion. Um, no, no, he doesn't care. No, he wishes that recruiting didn't exist. No, re- re- recruiting and the fact that it gets covered the way that it is is one of the problems with college athletics. Okay, that's actually true. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I want us to go around the room and share our favorite football moments from the 2023 season. Smoke, do you have one off the top of your head? Because because I've got a couple. Well, wait, is it really quick? Is it 23 season or is it 23 like whole? The year of 2023. Year. So end of yeah, possibly end of last year into this year. Okay, I think one of them has to be Duke starting out the year and beating Clemson. I know Clemson didn't turn out to be the team that people were you know possibly expecting at the start of this year, and Duke unfortunately uh, battled injuries. But for Duke to have a massive win like that to start the year, Wallace Wade Stadium, one of the biggest environments they've ever had, was massive, and uh, I'd even throw in there. I mean, just some of these bowl games have been so ridiculous in college football this year. Like last night, seeing uh, a whole entire football team devour a Pop-Tart. And the Pop-Tart is happy to die and be eaten is one of the funniest things ever. And hopefully we start to see more bowl games replicate this because we've seen the Duke's Mayo Bowl uh, replicate the the absurdity of having uh, a Mayo as a sponsor by dumping mayo, and now we're seeing players eat a devoured Pop-Tart out of a toaster. Tremendous, tremendous content, guys. Uh, favorite moment of 2023? Because um, I don't... I'm trying to remember. Well, yeah. I, I mean, look, the Giants winning a playoff game, granted it was against a less-than-stellar uh, Minnesota team, was definitely a lot of fun to watch. Um the win over Miami for Tario football ranked win at the time, six and O lot of hope. Definitely. I, I think it's probably the one in college. I mean, those are the two that I probably look at the most um, outside of that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's one that doesn't involve my teams. I would probably, so I would probably go honestly with the six and O start for Carolina. Cause I, I feel like at that time you had a lot of hope um, you were seeing, you know, Drake may succeed in, in the way that we thought he was going to succeed. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, it didn't finish out the same way. But that game, the the, the excitement around that game from the fan base, the stadium environment and it, it, for that game, I think was really, really cool to see. All right, so mine, I'll start with the Super Bowl. Watching the Philadelphia Eagles lose on the big stage. That's a quality one. Seeing Nick Sirianni uh, have to eat his words and shut his mouth after a year of Talking trash and taunting refs and players was a lot of fun. Um, I'll go back to the Dukes Mayo kickoff classic right here in Charlotte. That feeling walking out of the stadium as a Carolina fan, um, as good as I felt maybe ever walking out of a stadium watching my team. My team play was a lot of fun. Great environment. Great day for the city with game day in town. Smoke, you did the pregame show with Colin Hogger down at the doghouse. So it was just a really fun day for us. And then Thanksgiving Day, getting to travel to Dallas and watch the Cowboys, America's team, on the football holiday of the year, beat the Washington Commanders in blowout fashion. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And so those are moments that, that I think I'll look back on 2023 um, and remember. But I, I think, you know, as we look at this game Oh. For, for the oh. Panthers. Oh, Shrub, do you have one? Because I figured you were watching like AHL hockey highlights. Here we, here we go. What's your, yeah, Shrub, what's your Hershey Bears moment of the year? Elite, uh, elite Joe Flacco, especially because he's on my fantasy team. Oh. Uh, 
He what is a elite. story, dude. What a story. He is elite, though, isn't he? Like, like what he's doing. The fact that he's given the Browns better quarterback play in six weeks <laughs> than Deshaun Watson has in a year and a half is is oddly hilarious. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he, also tied the amount of touchdown passes that the Carolina Panthers have throughout the entire season. Oh my God! Stop wow. that. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, Sorry. honestly, like, and and I know we were, you know, probably wanting to talk a little Panthers, but I mean, this, you know, this is probably a good place to talk a little bit about that game last night. I mean, dude. When was the last time the Browns really got this good a quarterback play consistently? Like I know you had the year in 2020 with Baker that they were we we all referred to when he came here last year that you were hoping he could replicate. But I mean the way that he's throwing the ball, I mean look at that first quarter again last night against a a Jets defense that is very well respected, one of the best in the league. Without Amari Cooper, who had 265 yeah. receiving yards four days earlier. David and Joke at what, 100 receiving yards in the first quarter of that game? Yeah, and 160. Insane, dude. And it's funny because you know, I remember back in that draft in 2017, David and Joke, who was one of the guys that people were like, hey, this guy could be a stud. And it took him a while. I think part of it was because the situation the Browns were in. But this, this last year, year and a half, we've finally seen David and Joku take that next step as a tight end. And he he's going to get possibly close have an outside shot of getting a thousand yards this year for the first time ever massive and literally i asked kyle this yesterday on the kyle bailey show i asked him during one of the breaks if joe flacco let's let's say this happens if joe flacco happens to lead this team to a super bowl and he wins does that make him a Hall of Famer? Was he not? Already, he was already borderline with what he did in in, in, in Baltimore. Oh my, stop it! He was not. Getting he has into the most the hall. road wins of any quarterback I think in playoff but, history. But I'm telling you, he would not get into the Hall of Fame based on that one run. He he should be in the conversation, but I think he would probably if it if let's say they go in and flame out in the first round. I think he's probably right where Tony Romo probably is, although he has more playoff success than Romo does. Mm. But I think he'd be in that same like classification of guys that you can make an argument for them to be in the Hall of Fame. But ultimately, it's probably pretty tough to actually see them making it. If he if he wins a Super Bowl with the Browns, D Browns. I mean that. I, yeah, I would say he'd probably be in then because then he'd have two rings. And this would be one of the most improbable comebacks in NFL history. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that because literally. With the last five to six years of Joe Flacco, it's like, oh, he's a backup for a team. It's just going to get a couple of games. He'll be mediocre. All right, then he's benched. Or, oh, he got hurt. All right, that's it. I Literally mean, is, was on the couch. Is it similar to Kurt Warner? Because I know Kurt wasn't great when he was with the Giants. He kind of disappeared in the mid-2000s and then resurfaced with the Cardinals. I but think I think this, this one might be even crazier, especially yeah. with how how much older he is. So, yeah. It's a conversation. No, I mean, it definitely is. It's been a lot of fun as a guy that uh, loved Joe Flacco as a kid, was one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. And I, lo- I, I love seeing Cleveland good, right? Like, like you know, they've been – them and Detroit being good at the same time is a lot of fun to watch because for our lifetime, they both they both just sucked. Um, and they've, you know, they've been perennial two, three-win teams year in, year out. And, and so, yeah, I mean, Flacco was amazing last night. I think it also shows that coaching matters in this league as much as anything. Because they've had four different quarterbacks play. And the first team to ever play four quarterbacks in the year and make the playoffs. And get up this morning, led the show, talking about them being the biggest threat to Baltimore to make the Super Bowl in the AFC. Not Patrick Mahomes. Not Josh Allen. Um, you know, none, none, none of those guys. Joe Flacco and the Browns. So, 
as we looked at the end of 2023, going in, going into 2024, where's your your confidence in the Panthers? Maybe being competitive going into next year, because remember this time last year, we were getting ready for a de facto playoff game at Tampa Bay, a game that if J.C. Horn is healthy, maybe Carolina emerges victorious against because they had no cornerbacks, and Tom Brady just torched them over and over in the second half. Smoke, do you think if the Panthers win on Sunday, you'll be more optimistic than you probably thought you would have been three weeks ago going into next year? Um, Not really. It really depends on what happens with the front office, in my opinion, if I'm going to feel a little bit more optimistic. But even then, uh, if they let go of Scott Fitter and the whole front office gets wiped out or most of it, I can't say that I feel a lot more confident just because David Tepper needs to prove to me that, you know, he's hiring the right guys. Like, I... They could hire a guy that I think is tremendous. You know, let's say they hire a guy that was a finalist for the job the last time, Adam Peters, who's been with the 49ers for a long time, basically throughout this whole entire Shanahan-Lynch era. I mean, yeah, that's a great hire, but I need to actually see it be proven that he can get the job done and things are going to work out for me to feel confident heading into the season. So no matter what, even if they went out the rest of the year and finished 4-12, and twel- uh, yeah, 4 wait, no. Four and 13. Four and 13, sorry. The 17-game schedule still froze me off. But, I, I mean, even if they finish four and 13, I'm not going to feel any confident, any more confident than I would right now. I just need to see it be proven. And if they keep Scott Fitter, like I like Scott as a person, but how am I supposed to feel confident about that when he's had so many misses on the draft? Well, the, the misses on the draft, the trade-ups, yeah, I think – some of their off-season moves are definitely going to play a factor, but right now, where's my confidence at? I I would I would say there's still a, a pretty pretty decent amount just because of the division that they play in, right? The division is terrible, and I mean none of the teams have their long-term quarterback unless Baker Mayfield. This is just going to be him moving forward, but I think we all know that's probably not going to be the case. Eventually, something is going to happen there. Uh, Mike Evans is a free agent at the end of the year, right? So if he leaves, that could be a big blow for them. Um, And we don't know what the coaching. I I mean, we've said it. Our guys have said it on air multiple times uh, here towards the end of the season. Whoever misses, misses or uh, whoever doesn't make the playoffs out of this division, probably those two teams could fire their head coach. Like, so it could be a, a division that is going through a complete change. The Panthers, I mean, they got to do go through their own change as well. But the good news is they do have a guy that they feel like a quarterback can get them where they want to go. I, I, I feel like there's still reasons to be confident. Yeah, Stanford Pete texted, and my confidence in Bryce Young is growing. My confidence in the Panthers hasn't changed. It's two different conversations. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's a good point. I think we can be confident in Bryce individually, but not be confident in the Panthers front office. Well, speaking of Bryce, coming up next, we're going to talk about how important a road win would be for the rookie quarterback as we get more and more into this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's coming up next on The Replacements right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is the replacements, Fiddy, Flounder, and Smoke, hanging out with you until 12 o'clock. Then Weston Walker will be on with you from 12 to 3, and then the Kyle Bailey Show will have you from 3 to 6 p.m. Panthers, Jaguars coming your way this Sunday afternoon, the final road game of the year for Carolina and Smoke. The Panthers have uh, yet to win a game on the road. They've been somewhat competitive at different times away from Bank of America Stadium. At least from a scoreboard perspective, they, 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 they it was competitive at Tennessee. They were in the game at Atlanta. Um, you know, they had their best offensive performance under Frank Reich at Seattle, but that was with Andy Dalton at at quarterback in that game. When you look at this game for for Bryce Young, who's got two wins, is coming off his best performance. Uh, as a Carolina Panther, over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, 30 points scored again, the loss to Green Bay on Sunday. How important would a road win be for him going into the final game of the regular season, but really building towards next year? I think that that's honestly massive. I think it could be bigger for him to win and perform well in this game Uh on the road in Jacksonville more than having the the great performance he had against Green Bay because it's on the road. And it's on the road against a team that still has a lot left to play for. This isn't some team that's just coasting, waiting for the season to end. No, this is a team while being 8-7 and seven and losing four straight still leads the division they're in right now and still has a legit shot at making the playoffs. All they need to do is win. And, I, I mean, I, I think... What could help this is the defense also has been struggling, but they also have a, an elite player on their defense as well in Josh Allen. But think about it. This team has not won a road game at all this year. The last time they – well, in this season. The last time they won a road game was to end last season against the New Orleans Saints in that mess of a game where everyone got hurt and they barely eked out of the win. That was on January 8th. For them to get a win on the road before the season's over and for Bryce to possibly play well again – and have three straight big performances, I think could be massive for Bryce Young more than anything. That's what I want to see more. If they win a game and Bryce plays well, or Bryce gets a game-winning drive in despite his struggles, I think that could be massive for both his confidence and the growth of him as a quarterback in the NFL. I just want to see him play well in this game. And, and the thing is, is playing well does not mean he has to do exactly what he did the other day. But being on the road especially against a team and and look they're the Jacksonville defense not playing anywhere near what they how they were early in the season. This is a team that uh you know the last four games their four game losing streak. I mean they've allowed almost 30 points a game. So, but at the same time this is going to be a motivated group. They know that they they need to find a way to flip that switch and get back to being the team that they were earlier on in the season. So, I mean a day where Bryce Young if if he can get over 250 yards through the air. I feel like we can feel pretty confident about it. Now, the thing is, he's got to take care of the ball. There have been a few games this year that Bryce has pretty much lost you because of the interceptions. You go back to the game against Indianapolis. You could also point at the game, uh, you know, open the season against Atlanta. Those are the, that, that's what you're trying to avoid in this game. But I think, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that you will be able to see that from him and this offense in this game because it feels like 
You're starting to see DJ Chark play the way that we thought he was going to play when he arrived here. Um, again, don't know what took him so long. Was it an injury? Was it the injury at the start of the year? Whatever. Now he, he's starting to come into his own. You're seeing Adam Thielen once again. I mean, that was that was one of Adam Thielen's best performances in a few weeks against Green Bay because when when DJ Chark becomes more of a threat, it starts to free up the guy who has been your best receiver and the most reliable receiver throughout the entire season. And, I mean, Tommy Trimble took steps forward as well. So, I, I mean, I think you've got all those elements. The one thing that I am interested to see is are they still going to stick to the ground game? I think they have to because, yeah, even though it, it wasn't a huge success and you were able to, you know, get your yards through the air on the Packers. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do the same thing against Jacksonville. You don't, I mean, Green Bay, do they have a pass rusher as good as Josh Allen off the edge? They don't. So that's the thing that you've got to account for in this game. I think if they stick to the game plan of being a team that relies on the run, take what's given to them. And yeah, if, if once again, Jacksonville is a team that is able to load the box and slow down the run, then let's get Bryce outside of the pocket and let's see him build on that. Because if they were to win this game, I mean, that would be massive for Bryce Young, especially, you know, to get that first road win off your chest because you don't have that uh, that that opportunity next week. No, you don't. And look, you, you, you look at his splits at home. He's completing 67 percent of his passes, 1300 ish yards, six touchdowns, four picks has a quarterback rating of 84.8. You go away from home, his completion percentage drops all the way down to 53%, a little over 1,300 yards. Um, His rating is a 66. He has six touchdowns, four interceptions at home, five touchdowns, five interceptions on the road. Mm. And so you've definitely seen a a, a drastic change in the way he plays at home as compared to on the road. You see that typically from, from rookie quarterbacks. But also, was was the play calling as ever refined as it's been right now? Like, this offense is as good in, in, in a rhythm as it's been all season long. You actually feel confident they can go out there and score, I don't know, 21, 24 points you know, in this game because of what you did last week. And you look at and I mentioned it all week long. Yeah, this Jacksonville defense has Josh Allen. He's a hell of a player. But they're giving up 29.5 points per game. And like, you know, and like when we talked about Joe Flacco, if Joe Flacco come off the couch and score 31, you should feel somewhat confident your offense with the playmakers that you've had stepped up the week before can go on the road and put together a competitive performance. I think I think that's what you want to see is that, you know, the, you go back to New Orleans game. He wasn't competitive. I mean, it was it wasn't even XFL level quarterback play. It was like AAF level Damn. quarterback play. That's how bad Bryce was. But I think it was an anomaly. Uh, anomaly. I I think you could really see right. him. Yeah, I mean, that's how bad it was. Like, I, I can't even get the word right. But um, you know, I, for some reason, and maybe it's because we're just Bryce guys. I don't know what it is. I think that confidence is going to carry over into Sunday, and he's going to put together his best road performance we've seen so far in 2023. I mean, it's not that we're Bryce guys, right? Like we've seen it before. Like there's a reason he was taken number one overall in the draft. Like, this is the thing. Like, if you're saying that, like, people might have been saying that early, like, in the Brock Purdy era when he was in San Francisco, where, okay, the first couple of wins, and then people are like, well, you know, he's going to carry that confidence over. And some people might have been skeptical, saying, well, he's a seventh round pick. He's the last pick in the draft. This is a dude that was picked number one in the draft 
because he had the talent, because he you know was was able to win at a high level at Alabama. I I think that there is plenty of reason to feel like Bryce Young will build off of this. I think the one thing that you have to wonder is can the offensive line hold up in this game? They weren't great the other day, and Bryce did a great job of getting out of the pocket. But the thing is, is he going to be able to get out of the pocket as easily as he was last week? You you need your offensive line to step up and help him out because the receivers are doing their job. It's just this offensive line. And, and look, I, I, I think Chris Tabor and his staff have done some good things. I mean, Thomas Brown was, was asked about uh, the, the offensive line uh, yes, yesterday in his presser. And he said, look, that's been one of the biggest struggles. He also addressed something that I didn't understand the other day. And I'd like your thoughts on this, Smoke. Why the hell did they start Nash Jensen at right guard after he was oh. replaced by Gabe Jackson? I don't understand it. Like, dude, I get it. Gabe Jackson isn't the greatest pass protector in the world. At this point, no. But come on, man. Like, it's no offense to Nash Jensen. You're an undrafted rookie. There's For you to be thrown out there and having to be starting important games at the end of the season, important for the Panthers, that is. It's it's a lot to ask for. I didn't understand why from the word go, because Nash Jensen struggled really badly early on. You didn't have Gabe Jackson. That's He better be out there to start this week. Well, I mean, essentially, Nash Jensen just completely stalled that second drive. Yep. They got into Packers territory. And, and I know he, Bryce kind of overthrew Miles, but that was because he was under pressure because of Nash Jensen. So I, it made no sense. Hopefully they don't do that again. Just start Gabe Jackson for the last two games because – Chances are Nash Jensen is not going to be a part of your long-term future. He is the eighth guard you've played at seventh or eighth. So there's a reason. I, eight, why, yeah. I mean, so there's a reason why it took him this long to get on the field. No mm-hmm. offense to him, but it's just, it is what it is. He was undrafted. He's a depth piece at best that you probably keep on your practice squad and break class in case of emergency. Unfortunately, you've had to break glass in case of emergency because both of your starting guards have been out. For the starting guard combination that you're supposed to have this year has played what four game or four games in total, and they didn't even start the games together. Yeah, never played together. Yeah, no. so so that's how bad this year has been for the interior. So I mean, look, Gabe Jackson's in the back end of his career. He's nothing special at this point, but he can get the job done at certain points. Exactly. So, like just let him get let him do his job, so Bryce Young could possibly do his, and and you know let some of the other guys shine. Like we've been talking about DJ Chark and Tommy Trimble. How about they're they're finally getting Amir Smith Marset involved in stuff other than special teams? Not only the end around stuff, he's starting to catch some passes too. Maybe he's going to be an interesting guy to watch in these last two weeks because I don't know what the long term future is for him, but I feel like he could have a role in this team past this year. He feels like he needs to be a guy that you have three to five design plays to get him the football. Yeah, because when he gets the ball, like you just look at it as you know his yard per touch average, he he makes things happen. He's one of the few guys, kind of like LaVisca, that can make guys miss in the open field and turn a two-yard pass into a 58-yard gain or something. And Even so, better than LaVisca, too. Yeah. LaVisca was – I mean, LaVisca's a thicker type of play. That that one never really made a whole lot of sense why they went out and got him. There's another Scott Fitterer signature trade right there. Um, I think Marset, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing the speed. That's the other thing. You can get him. I mean, if you can hit a couple of shots to him down the field, that was his specialty when he was at Iowa. He didn't catch a ton of balls there, but when he did, it was him going deep down the field because he has the speed to beat guys. You're right. It'll be interesting to watch him because, and and you're going to see it with a lot of guys, how injured this team is. 
there are guys that are playing for roster spots on this team or on other teams for next year. Now, like, look at Nick Thurman, by the way, on the defensive front. How great has he been the last two weeks? He's been amazing because he's probably thinking, I got to play for my job. And I mean, as of right now, I'd keep him on this roster. He's been great. You mentioned how injured the, the, this team is, and yet TMJ still can't get a helmet. You know, it feels like his time has come and gone. Yes. Um, you know, when you look at the, the the future of Scott Fitter as a GM, if Andy Reid comes out in a divisional play, playoff round loss and says, "All you know, if, if we had ISM on this roster, we'd win the Super Bowl," you know that that might be something. You know, because look, that's the, that might be the one trait he's actually won since he became the GM of the Carolina Panthers. Because look how bad that Kansas City uh, wide receiver core is, um, and it makes you wonder how that guy was not utilized from word go. Because he's been dynamic, it feels like every time he's touched the football, um, and and so it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan you get from Thomas Brown. Are you gonna are you gonna trust your rookie quarterback on the road and a must win for the opponent, or are you gonna go back to your conservative stuff and not let him air it out? Because after last week, I'm comfortable if we throw the ball. And look, they they need to run the ball. You need to give Chuba the ball. Hopefully, Miles Sanders can run better than he did last week. But if they want to ask Bryce to throw it 32, 35 times after what I saw last week, I'm as comfortable with that as I've been at any point so far this season. Yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, is that the most conducive game plan to scoring? Not sure because you have to see what your offensive line looks like. But, I mean, in terms of confidence, like, yeah, you should – this is the most confident that you – should be in Bryce Young because, yeah, not only what he did last week, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people saying that. Well, it's a one-off. He played great against a bad defense. Well, first of all, again, I would tell you to check the last four games for Jacksonville's defense and see that they haven't really been playing great. And second, uh, I mean, dude, this is, yeah, so you got to give him credit for a guy that has just developed along the way. And, And you go back to the game against Atlanta, that final drive. Like, this is more than just one game. That game against Atlanta, I thought he played pretty well. He took what was there. It wasn't nearly as great as this one, but when he needed to drive the team down the field and score, he did with an outstanding final drive. So, I mean, yeah, I, I to me, you should go into this game feeling like we have a chance to win this one because our offense feels like it finally has a sustainable pulse. Yep, and you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I think the one last point here before we get to Shropton like it's hot, you know, we talked coming out of the Green Bay game, it felt like he broke through the rookie wall. And he won over a good number of people on, on our text line. If he goes down and does it again this week and goes 26 of 39, 288, two touchdowns and a road win, how do you doubt the guy moving forward? Fit him for a gold jacket. Because like then it would be back-to-back performances against desperate teams and – I think it'd be very apparent that he'd broken through that wall. He would have arrived. Speaking of another guy that's trying to arrive in the radio world, his name is Shropping. It's time for Shropping It Like It's Hot. These transitions, man, they're smoother than a James Borrego transition offense. Ooh. Hey. Hey, now. So we're actually going to start off with the Hornets taking another loss last night, moving to 7-22. and 3-11 uh, on the road, by the way. But, yeah, they lost – 133 to 112 to the Los Angeles Lakers. They were outscored uh, 55 to 75 
in the second half. So brutal. And you know it's a bad day whenever you have James Book Knight going out there on the floor. Uh, he, <laughs> he did score five points, though. And he was plus six. So one of the few guys to actually have a, a positive plus minus. But, yeah, just an, just another brutal night for the Hornets where the second half they just fall apart. Uh, Anthony Davis, 26 points. <sighs> just another game. Just another game for the Hornets. But if you want to talk about a win, we can move on to the Carolina Hurricanes, baby. Andrei Sveshnikov getting a hat trick. Jesper Foss getting two goals. And Sebastian Ajo with a back-to-back four-point performance in a 5-3 to three win over the Montreal Canadiens. And that moves the Hurricanes up to third place in the Ooh. Metropolitan Division. They skated really hard from what I saw last night, Trop. I thought, you know, their routine was good. They attacked the boards really well. Um, and, gu- and guess what else the, the Hurricanes can do? What? Sell out their home arena. Wow. Ooh. Crazy. Wow. I was going to say, uh, that was a bit, you know, big performance because they uh, they were up 3-2 at the end of the second period, and Montreal tied it, but they still got the win in the end. And uh, what is that, two wins in a row for the Canes, uh, Shop? Yeah, yeah, two. Uh, yeah, so we, we beat uh, the Predators and now the Canadians after the Christmas break, so... We're playing the Maple Leafs next on Saturday, so that'll be a good test to see if this team is really back to their true form. Yeah, if they win that one, I feel like then you can start having conversations that this team's starting to turn it in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, this was this was the first step, right? You had back-to-back games coming out of the Christmas break. You win both of them. You score five goals in both games. And the, the thing is, is we talked about it yesterday. Aho, Svechnikov. Those are the guys making the impact in that game. Same guys. It's your stars making the impact. Now, the thing is, is as we get further into the season, are they still going to be able to make that impact? They're doing it in the regular season. Those are the guys that have disappeared on you at times in the postseason. But you got to love seeing them step up here. And for the Hornets, I mean, it just like the third quarter stuff, man. It's brutal. Oh, my God. Like, you went into halftime down by one. <laughs> like you, you felt like bro. you were right there with what a Laker team, happened? by the way, that has seemed pretty disinterested since winning the in-season tournament. Why wouldn't you? They haven't been great. But you get outscored by 19 in the third quarter. I mean, what what do you expect? Like When you gave up 41 in the third quarter, too. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable how disinterested this team looks at times on the defensive end of the floor. And, I mean, look, we talked about it today. And Grace asked me, like, do you really believe that it is all on Steve Clifford? I don't think it's all on Steve Clifford. It's on some of these dudes buying in defensively, but man, it looks brutal. Worse than when James Borrego was here. Yeah, no, we we knew the Western, we, we knew the West Coast road trip was going to be brutal, and it slipped up to it as the Hornets have gone winless since they went out west. Well, coming up next. You should have known at some point with me on the air, with us on the air, we talk a little college basketball. Duke and Carolina. Back in action over the weekend as they close out their non-conference slates. We'll talk about both of those teams and more right here on The Replacements. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Sports 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the replacements here with you. Fitty, Flounder, Smoke, Shrop behind the board. And uh, Yeah, we're here. Yep, yep. You know, we're in the heart here. of bowl season. Um, bowl season really getting in full effect. You had, I think, four games yesterday. You got four games, I believe, today. New Year's Six over the weekend. Also, it's the final weekend of the... Uh, non-conference season for a lot of conferences in college basketball, including the ACC. Some conferences like the Big East, the Big Ten, they're basically in full-blown conference play at this point in the year. But not the ACC. And uh, the two schools on Tobacco Road, Duke and Carolina, will conclude their non-conference schedules this weekend. Carolina at home tonight against Charleston Southern. Um, Carolina number nine in the AP poll. The Buccaneers... Ranked 339th in Ken Palm and the net. So it should be Yuck. a very easy win for Carolina. But more importantly tonight, first home game for the program back in the Smith Center since the passing of program legend, Carolina basketball great, and uh, radio broadcaster Eric Montross. And you know we, we knew there was going to be a big tribute. Uh, we knew Carolina was going to go all out. And it's actually going to be... Just Jones Angel on the call tonight. They're going to leave his seat open. It's going to be empty. It'll be a solo broadcast tonight for for Jones Angel on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Um, and so that'll be a great way to honor his life and legacy. Which you can listen to over on our sister station, WBT, if you're here in Charlotte. Um, and, and so Carolina with a chance to close out their, their, their non-conference season strong, 9-3. and three. Um, As I mentioned, they're ranked number 10 in the AP poll. Duke. They're at home tomorrow against Queens. You can find that game on the CW. Ooh. That's a 2 o'clock tip. Queens, a local school here in Charlotte that, since transitioning to Division One, has played at a high level. Of course, our very own Walker Mail calls their home games for him, so he'll have a vested interest in that. But, but Smoke, you know, Duke started the, the season preseason number two. Um, they find themselves now at 8-3. and three. They're ranked number 16 in the AP poll. Is it fair to say, though, after a slow start to the season, the favorites to win the ACC and a favorite to get to the Final Four, win the national title, that your Blue Devils, your Blue Devils have underwhelmed to start the season? In some ways, when you talk about the big picture of trying to compete for national championships, yes. But as we know, championships are not won in November and December. They're won in March and April, uh, which is something that Michigan State fans forget that you actually have to win the title in April. Um, but, yeah, it, it – there's been some lumps in the road. I feel like people thought that, you know, specifically guys like Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell would be better off the start of the year. And, you know, the young guys would slowly get get along in the process while those guys were dominating. And that's not been the case at certain points. It also doesn't help that Tyrese Proctor has been hurt since the uh, early December game against Georgia Tech. I, I mean, but I also feel like, too, that win against Baylor before the holidays was massive for them because they needed the big win like that because the, the biggest win they had up to that point was Michigan State, and Michigan State's up to one of their worst starts in recent memory. Not saying they're bad. It's just they're not as dominant as I think people were expecting them to be. So for them to get that win heading into conference play with this only one non-conference game against Queens tomorrow was massive for them. And I feel like, you know, you've seen guys like Jeremy Roach really get into a groove. Kayla Foster, Jared McCain, they're starting to, the young guys are starting to get it. So it makes me feel a little bit more confident heading into uh, conference play beginning. And I also will say this, it's not like they have the most daunting start to conference play. 
listen to what uh, their schedule is before they take on Clemson at the end of the month. They start off against Syracuse. Uh, not really expecting Syracuse to be a world beater. Notre Dame arguably is going to be the second worst or worst team in the conference. Pitt's a middle-of-the-road team. They do have Georgia Tech, who beat them early in the year, but I, I feel like them going to Cameron, Duke should get that win back. Pitt again, and then you're at Louisville. <laughs> so it, it also helps that Duke doesn't have the hardest start to the conference schedule as well. So I think I'm not overly concerned about Duke. Now, if they start m- middle to pack 500 in conference play, then I'll be concerned. Now, on the flip side, Carolina, they start their ACC slate. Three straight road games, all of which will be quad one games at Pitt, at Clemson, and at NC State. But what this sets up for, Flound, is a chance, maybe depending on if you're a believer in Clemson basketball, I am not. I've seen this story time and time again. I've watched Virginia enough to come away unimpressed every time I've watched them. And Miami is having a hard time, as you can imagine, replacing the ACC player of the year. They're going to be a tournament type of team, but not an ACC contender when it's all said and done. We could have our first Carolina-Duke really battle for the, the, the conference all the way through since 2012. And, you know, growing up, when I got into college basketball and got into that rivalry, that was a given. They were going to meet the final weekend of the regular season, whether in Durham or in Chapel Hill. And the regular season title was going to be on the line for one or both of those schools. And it feels like the ACC kind of needs that to get its reputation back where it's supposed to be as the best basketball conference in the country. It's still the Big 12. That league is as deep and as talented as it's ever been. I'd argue the Big 10 is still better than the ACC. But I do feel like if we're trying to get ACC hoops back, if that rivalry returns to the forefront of the league and the sport, it'll be hard to talk about the ACC in a negative uh, connotation. Well, I don't know if the rivalries ever the games themselves have ever really left the forefront of the sport. I think that they're still talked about as much as any college basketball regular season game. But yes, in ter- I get what you're saying. In terms of the ACC itself getting recognition, we've said it before. And, you know, clearly as fans of these, you know, if you're a fan of these two teams, you love it. The fact that when these two teams are good, everybody wants to talk about the ACC. Uh, the focus is on the conference. But when it's not, then people really kind of downplay it because they they look at these two programs as the top brands. Um, I think, and, and I've been saying it now for about you know a week and a half, two weeks. I, I think that you are staring down the barrel of these two teams fighting for the regular season title. Um, I don't really get the like. Yes, I think that Duke probably underwhelmed a little bit out of the gate. The game, look. If they don't lose to Georgia Tech, would you say they underwhelmed? No. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of how I look at it. That loss, I think, is what probably concerned a lot of people, and rightfully so. But that's a good basketball team. That's a team that's going to play a factor in March. Many people are going to have them going deep in their brackets. I think Carolina's starting to show you that they're a team that the way they can score the basketball, the way that R.J. Davis is playing, the fact that they've brought in the right guys in the transfer portal just culture-wise – that's a team that's going to win a lot of games. And, yeah, I mean, I think those are your two primary contenders. There will be a third contender. We see it every There is some team that either they come out of nowhere. To me, I don't think there's one that's obvious that's going to come out of nowhere. I think I, – I'm with you. I think Clemson's pretty damn good. I, oh. I know we've seen it before. We've seen them sort of collapse before. 
And that's certainly possible, you know, especially under Brad Brunel. But I do think that you look at the pieces on that team. A lot of guys now veterans. P.J. Hall is just a monster inside. I think that's the team that you probably look at. And I'm not counting out Miami, not with what Jim Laranig has done. He he will get that, that group scoring again at a high level. And I think once he does that, if they can get back to where they've been offensively, they're going to be tough to play in conference play. So those are probably the ones I look at. I just, just don't trust Virginia's defense. So, yeah, I think Carolina and Duke, the first time in a while, it's going to be them battling it out at the top. I feel like, though, Clemson's going to be nipping at both of their heels this year. I like this. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I was high on them. I was pretty high on them heading into this year. Not, I was like, yeah, I'll keep an eye on them. But after watching the way they played on the road at Alabama – to win against a very good Alabama team. And just a way, I mean, they've only lost one game, and that was a two-point loss to a very good Memphis team. Like, this team right here, I think, is the best Clemson team they've had under Brad Burnell. I'm going to head and say that right now. Even better than the team with Gabe DeVoe when they made the Sweet 16. Like, you know, getting Jack Clark as a transfer swap was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Getting More importantly, getting Joseph Garrard from Syracuse was massive for them. And he's played big dividends. P.J. Hall coming back was big as well as Chase Hunter. This has, I mean, this Clemson team, if you're not looking at them, and hopefully they don't, you know, make me regret my words and have a, a trap game against Radford uh, tonight, <laughs> which is a very good Radford team. Radford's a, a mid-major you don't want to mess with, but I really feel like this Clemson team could compete with Duke and Carolina to potentially win the ACC regular season this year. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's there. It's, it's on the table. It's also Clemson basketball. And, and so until they do it, and uh, until they break through and really compete for a whole 20-game sample size in the, in the conference, I'm going to be hesitant to believe in that. Well, well, we'll learn about them quick. You talk about tough schedules out of the gate in conference play. At Miami, home against Carolina, at Virginia Tech. First three games. So to me, if they if they can get through that stretch, even if they get, if they get through that stretch 2-1, and one, you feel pretty good. That'll tell us, I think, a lot about it. And I think Virginia Tech could be a team. I think they could be kind of like what Pitt was last year. I know last year they took a step back. I feel like they, while not being fully taking that next step, they could be one of those teams that's a classic trap game throughout the ACC this year. Yeah, because Mike Young is as good a coach there is in the conference. He's gotten, you know, the talent hasn't decreased there. Um, and Castle Coliseum, you, you just don't go in there and win. Nope. Um, and it's been that way since they, they, they came to the conference. And so what I think it's going to shape up for, even if it's Carolina and Duke, duking it out at the top of the conference this nice. is going to be Ooh. you know as as maybe as fun and deep a league we've seen in the last five or six years and it should mean a lot of teams here they you know hear their names called on selection sunday in like 12 13 weeks from now well that's going to wrap up the first hour of the replacements when we come back in hour two we're going to transition to college football take a look at the acc uh, bowl results so far, and also preview the comfortable playoff. Find all that and more right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.